Welcome to Great Minds, a wine-centric podcast where two wine-loving friends take a look beyond what is in the glass. We dig a little deeper into the stories, the culture, and the history behind the wine. We even drink a little bit of wine while we're doing it. I'm Gina Birch. And who isn't drinking a little wine at the end of the year 2020? We're drinking it all day during the end of the year. We're yeah. probably drinking it all day back well, in March. Since March, yeah. <laughs> since March, all day, every day. Okay. Anyway, I'm Julie Glenn. We are in full-blown holiday mode, feeling really, really celebratory. Mm-hmm. It's a time of year where food and drink take center stage. Everyone has a different holiday tradition surrounding food and where there, where there is food. You got to know there's got to be some wine. Of course, of course. Um, what do you typically do for your, for your Christmas and uh, New Year's? Do you have uh, traditions? Well, my food fam- traditions. I have a lot of food traditions, mm-hmm. but we do all the fishes and stuff mm-hmm. on Christmas Eve because my husband's Italian. And then we usually do something Italian on Christmas Day. But lately, because he's such a fan of Thanksgiving, I've had to recreate Thanksgiving on Christmas what? Day. Yeah. Like turkey and stuffing the and cranberry deal. and all that mm-hmm. on Thanksgiving, on Christmas? Yeah. And we may do that this year because my turkey was bad this year. Oh, no leg of lamb. No, no, we were going to probably line. do leg of turkey is probably what's going to happen. <laughs> the giant, I get to see you walking around your backyard. Me going, with a drumstick. Merry freaking Christmas. I'm taking a bite of my I'll drumstick. I'll be pulling a Cousin Eddie with a dicky on, you know. <laughs> so my family has Italian origins too, and we would always do both lasagna and manicotti. Manicotti on uh, Christmas. We've since scaled that back, and we'll do the manicotti on you know homemade. We make the shells more like the crepes, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just become a fun family tradition for us. And and growing up, we always had wine, um, yeah. and the kids always got a little bit in those little aperitive glasses. Mm-hmm. So I always got a little bit of red wine, and I couldn't wait to have that red wine. Yeah, that's Ariana though, but that's kind of like at least once a week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but my family, we did not, my parents did not drink when I was growing really? up. Really? So we didn't have wine around. Hmm. But my dad these days will dip into the alcohol-free wine, and we did a full tasting of all the alcohol-free wines. Was it horrendous or was it actually surprising? My you, you paused too. You paused too long. It was not my favorite, but I will say that we did enjoy of the alcohol-free wines that we tried. Sutter Home, the best. I didn't even know Sutter Home made uh, an alcohol-free wine. Well, you might as well if you're making White Zinfandel. Why not? You know. Yeah, you're. No, you're. You're right. And, and not, not to bemoan or make fun of White Zinfandel. It's one of the biggest sellers. Oh yeah. <sighs> Sorry, the side. <laughs> But I mean, you think about Bless it, it's, hearts. Just, it's just grape juice. So why are we? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it, it's good. I mean, the alcohol-free wines, they don't taste like grape juice. It's not like you're getting Welsh's or anything, although some of them did taste like that. Mm-hmm. But the Sutter Home actually tasted kind of whiny. You know, mm-hmm. they were good. My dad thinks they're really cool. And he likes gets to be part of the the whole you know, thing, which is really great for people in recovery. Right. So they don't feel like... No, you're, you're right. And, you know, there's taken a whole side uh, rail here is I recently did a story on some spirits. You know, you, you hear about the whole mocktails, right? Mm-hmm. So you can make the shrubs and all of that stuff. But what about the actual flavor of the tequila or the gin and all of that? And that's part of uh, having a good cocktail. So there's one called Free Spirits that they are mm-hmm. making some, um, and they're, it's gin, tequila, and bourbon. I haven't tried them yet. I've asked them to send me some because I've found it very interesting. So you can have those flavors in your mocktail. 
and um, still be alcohol free. And well, tequila does have a definite it does. profile. And Where vodka, you just all it is is hot. Yeah, and, really. and maybe that's it. Put some cinnamon in there and make it ta- maybe people think, oh, I got a little vodka flavor. <laughs> you know, when we're talking about wines to serve, we're going back in here with the with the wine. For, yeah, our point. Yes, <laughs> because of what you said, there's so many different traditions that people have, and we have so many different types of people sitting around our holiday tables, even even in a pandemic time, you know, we have smaller gatherings, but it's a blend. And we were talking about how blends with wine, with family, blending things together. Red blends to me are kind of the ultimate when it comes to um, a foolproof bottle to bring to a gathering or give us a gift because there's so many different ways they can go. And they're always, almost always so food friendly. Mm-hmm. They're very appealing and versatile. Um, we've been talking about this whole year. Everybody's divided, division, division, division. We really wanted to do this podcast to talk about bringing it all together. Mm-hmm. The blend is almost always better than the sum of its parts. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't think I've had a blend that I didn't like, but I've had a lot of single varieties that I did not like. Right. So, yeah. And my first I'm Sophisticated wine was way back in the day when it wasn't quite as sweet was uh, Camus Conundrum. Remember that oh, white blend? Yes. I mean, that's a I white loved blend. Conundrum. Oh, it was so great. I loved it. We're like, this is the that was white my jam. wine for red wine mm-hmm. people. It mm-hmm. was so cool. And, and it did change over the years. Yeah, it's gotten really, it's gotten really sweet. Yeah. So yeah. it's not as appealing to my taste buds where it still very sells very well. It's funny when you and, revisit those things yeah. after your taste has changed <laughs> and stuff, and you're like, I like that. <laughs> I think when it comes to blends... When we talk about them, no matter where they are in in the world, there are two regions that are kind of the mothership. They are the beacon when it comes to the blueprint of blends. And those are both in France, of course. (laughs) The Rhone and and Bordeaux. Rhone and Bordeaux, for sure. Now, blended wines means wine that's made from more than one variety of grape. That's been the traditional way of making wine for centuries. Chianti started as a field blend back when all the different grapes were growing together. You had red Mm -hmm. and white right next to each other in the vineyard. They'd harvest it all together and then press it and vinify it all together. And that was what Chianti was Mm -hmm. back in the day. Of course, now it's much more... More sophisticated. um, Regulated. Um, Now we do a lot of things. where they, They do every individual grape and even individual lots in the vineyard, and then blend those together. Hmm. And we've talked to a lot of winemakers that do all that kind of right, stuff. Right, right. Well, so let's start with um, let's start with the Rhone blends. Let's start down south. We'll go to south, southern France. <laughs> <laughs> so when we talk about Rhone blends, we um, there are the Rhone Valley is in the southern part of France, as you had mentioned. And uh, the breakdown of those wines are, well... Hold on to your hats. There's a lot. Yeah. So let's... Are we going to name them all or... or... We can do it. We can power through. Okay. We got um, Chateauneuf de Pop, where Grenache, Syrah, Mouvedre, Terret Noir, Cunoise, uh, Cinso, Claret are allowed in the Reds, and Vacarès, Bourbolenc, and Roussan, Muscardin, uh, Pickpool and Picardan are all in the whites. And so you got a lot to choose from for your blending. Well, Chateauneuf de Pop, in, uh, it, legally you can put 13 different grapes in mm-hmm. a bottle and have it say Chateauneuf de Pop. And that can include, and most of them are red. It's red, but you can put whites in mm-hmm. there. And that's what kind of makes it, I went, makes it interesting to me. I went to one of the, the main producers or a big producer 
I say it's big because I went there. Uh, Chateau de Beaucastel. <laughs> and that's in Chateau neuf de Pop. It is big. Yeah, it is. Big, yeah. And and they do amazing wines. They have a partnership. Uh, they're they're uh, southern, or I guess their American counterpart is Tablas Creek. So if you see any Tablas Creek wines on the shelf or order them, that's the only um, winery that I'm a member of a, a wine club right now, Tablas yeah. Creek. I love their own blends. They were doing some amazing things, and and they, their whole story is great. But that's a, that's for another day. But um, but the Rhone blends to me, what I love that stands out to me are, are the Grenache and the Syrah. Mm-hmm. And those two go together like ketchup and mustard to me. You know, it's just like they belong together. There's something about that spiciness of the Syrah and the juiciness of the Grenache. And they just seem to just like scratch an itch when they get together. It's just like, oh. So do you like mix your ketchup and mustard together? Uh, only on hamburgers. Uh, okay. Well, I mean, you know. they're uh, different. And I don't mix it prior. I put like ketchup on one side of the bun. And, on the, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they, like they intermingle somewhere. Yeah, in I think they're a great little, little sidebar. Maybe I, mean, I should have said. Maybe, these are important things to clarify. Yeah. Okay, Gina, I just can't. Maybe not I should have said this. garlic and olive oil. Would that have been better? <laughs> no, no, I just had to know. I Inquiring minds, you know how it is. But, you know, Roan, it's good to know um, going north to south. It's a little bit spicier up in the north. Mm-hmm. And when I say spicy, I mean like the. The Syrah that kind of has some uh, muscle to it, mm-hmm. you know. I'm not saying it gets flabby down to the south. <laughs> not well. I'm getting flabby down. I the am south. flabby in the south area, but I, yeah. The um, but down uh, further south, things get a little bit softer, um, I th- and a little bit more round, if you will. Yes. So speaking of round, we've got the beautiful Cote de Rhone, um, and it's a, a really an interesting bottle too. It's kind of a round bottle. It's a squatty bottle. It's squatty. I like that squatty. Like it's got low shoulders and a long neck. Mm, you know, shoulders. I dated him once. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean long neck? I remember. Yeah, him. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's called um, Le Dauphin, and it's got the cutest label. It's very, what is that? What would you call that style? It to me, it looks. Turn it around so I can get another look. It looks. It looks festive. First of all, it looks like. Uh, it looks like um, a poster for the Moulin Bordeaux, Rouge. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say Moulin Rouge. It looks Moulin Rouge-ish. It's in the twelve dollar range. It's one that you can find almost everywhere or in a lot of places. It's very widely distributed. It's a great uh, price point, and I'm telling you, it's to me, it's worth every $11 or $12. Every one of those 11 bucks. I mean, it's, it's going to look pretty on your table. It does not yeah. have a whole lot of tannins sticking out or mm-hmm. anything like that. It's a very easy and friendly wine. It's very smooth. It's got like a little like coffee cocoa kind of thing there on the finish. It's really pretty good. It does have a little cocoa on the finish, mm-hmm. coffee, or a little like grains, like the gra- the grounds, coffee grounds mm-hmm. to me. This is... Um, espresso. Right. <laughs> That's really flattering. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. It's one that you can sip, as mm-hmm. we're doing right now. A lot of these wines, to me, I, I think are food wines, but in this, while this will go good with a lot of food, it's easy as a sipper as well. Yeah, I think it's pretty... Do you agree? Yeah, I'm gonna have to throw it back though because I forgot to bring our dump bucket bring back dump into bucket? the uh, back into the studio. Mm. Oops, mm-hmm. yeah, that wasn't intentional. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> not as good when you throw it back. You like sipping it a little more. I probably wouldn't suggest chugging it. No, I, I never suggest chugging wine, oh. uh, even if it's last call. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's go to Bordeaux. All right. Well, it's actually uh, Bordeaux via. Washington State, well, right? Well, for what we're going to taste, but I mean, we, oh. were, we were talking about the, the the two kind of blends 
yeah. that um, that are adapted a lot in the U.S. And, and all over the world. And the Rhone style was one with the Syrah and the Grenache because they always go well together. Yeah. And Bordeaux is such a big player in the world of blends that if you are a winemaker anywhere in the world and you're using these grapes, you're going to call it a Bordeaux blend. And people – and that's a great identifier because if you say Bordeaux blend, I'm automatically going to assume – it's got Cabin Merlot. Mm-hmm. And the other players can be any number uh, of... Uh, the following. Yes. They can <laughs> any Cab number Merlot, of the following. Cab Merlot, Malbec, Cab Franc. And what people don't realize, a lot of people don't realize, is Carmenere can be in there, too. Yeah. So you rattled off five. There's really a sixth one that's not used a lot, and that's well, Carmenere. Everybody forgets about right. poor little Carmenere. Yeah, it, it legally can be used in a Bordeaux blend. So. And what that will bring to the party is a little bit of white pepper, mm-hmm. that kind of barbecue feeling. Not that I think they are talking about barbecue in Bordeaux that much, although I don't really know what the um, the the food of choice is in Bordeaux. I know in Burgundy it's all like the escargot, mm-hmm. beef bourguignon, but I don't know the Bordeaux foodways. I need to study that. Well, I think the best way for us to study that is to, to go. Yeah. As soon as we're allowed to fly again, that, let's make that. Uh, we'll do our show from Bordeaux. Yeah, we'll totally do that. So, Yay, we're, technology. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're doing uh, Bordeaux in the U.S. here with Chasing Rain, and this is from Washington State. So it's really interesting um, to me the difference in the way that people view wine and listing the varietals and knowing what varieties are in a blend. In America, we're like, oh, okay, what percent Malbec is this one and what percent Grenache is in there? Whereas in uh, France or Italy or something like that, you will probably – it's very hard to find a spec sheet that will give you a breakdown of what grapes are in there, much less a percentage of each of those different grapes. But differently in the New World, in places like America um, or uh, South America, North America, Australia, South Africa, New Zealand, and even China, they're very into varietally labeled wines. And it's important to American consumers to know what grapes they're getting. Whereas, like in France, they know instinctively that in Burgundy, it's Pinot Noir land. Yeah. So why do I need to tell you if I've done X, Y, Z? Well, they can't uh, add Syrah. Like in the U.S., a lot of times there'll be some Syrah in the Pinot to give it that big flavor, to give it a little more of a backbone. But this one that we have from Washington State, Chasing Rain, is from Red Mountain. And it's equal parts Merlot and Cab, 44%. Then it's got 6% Petit Verdot. 4% 4% Malbec, and 2% Cab Franc. And this is, again, a very affordable one. It's in the $20 range. Mm-hmm. And it's a cool – I love the label. It's, it's got cute. the it's umbrella. And it's so awesome. It's like your umbrella has been blown in the wrong direction, and, and it's just collecting it. And we kind of thought that was appropriate for this year as well. So Yeah, that's been my experience as well. <laughs> it's been a lot of people's experience. They have other – they have um, – I believe they have a Merlot, and they have a, another couple of – uh, varietals under the umbrella. <laughs> Get it under, under the there. umbrella. See, See what, what I did you there? did there. I'm so that smart. Was pretty dad jokey. <laughs> <laughs> I said that to somebody the other day. I'm like, he's the best at dad jokes. And they looked at me and went, I have no idea what that means. Oh. Well, just think bad jokes where you're mm-hmm. like, huh? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. I think I actually wrote that in a story. The editor asked me for clarification and I just edited it out. I'm like, I'm not just. Let's just take the whole sentence out. Anyway, back to back to you and the wine. Oh, what do you think? Good. And this is like another one of those prime examples of mm. wow, really, really good blends. I mean, blends are almost always superior, I think, to a single variety. And that's some good fruit in there. 
And also, a point, red raspberry. Oh, very much. Yeah. So, like, and it's really ripe, not the red raspberry mm-hmm. that are too tart because you're like, eee, I can't even eat this. You got to put sugar mm-hmm. on it. But um, yeah, it's really good. A little anise too. Yeah, yeah. on the mid palate. Oh really wow, good. man, that's it's good. that's really in, that's really how a much fascinating. Is that one? Twenty dollars. Twenty bones. That's not bad. Yeah, and as you said, you know, I with the with the blends, it really gives winemakers the, an artist's palate. Mm-hmm. Because they have all these flavors. Like when you look at an artist in a painting, they have 10,000 shades of blue and mm-hmm. white, and they try to make the sky. And it's kind of like that with wine, with blending. You have mm-hmm. all these. It's got to be fun to sit down and taste everything and like, oh, 1% less of this. And it's and it gives me, voila. Remember we were talking with um, a winemaker a couple of weeks ago from, I think it was Sullivan Vineyards, mm-hmm. who had a background in... Um, uh, artificial intelligence. Yes. And I was like, do you foresee there ever being a day when artificial intelligence will be blending wine? And I think we kind of decided no, because first of all, ew, I don't want that to be happening. Mm-hmm. Um, not that nothing against robots. Please don't come at me, robots. <laughs> um, we love you all. I know you have feelings too. Oh, wait, you don't. But They're um, amassing <laughs> against you right now. You do know this. I know. I'm sorry. Your phone um, will be shut off in five seconds. I know, I'm pretty sure. They're going to have to contact me about my extended warranty on my car. Um, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. I mean, this is like one of those things where you can really feel the touch and the artistry and the soul of a good winemaker. Mm-hmm. And instead of dealing with what Mother Nature dealt them that year and just sticking with the one variety. And to be clear... In America, you only have to have 75% of a given variety before you can call it that. So, like, if you have a Pinot Noir that looks extra dark red and it shouldn't, it probably has, like, 25% Syrah in there to kick mm-hmm. it up and make it look redder. Because sometimes Pinot Noir can taste delicious and look like see-through light. Yeah. And that's not good because people buying it buy with their eyeballs, too, and that bothers them. Exactly. And so uh, so you're basically saying a huge percentage of what we drink when we think it's single, single varietal is really... It's a, almost always a blend. A, a, a blend of sorts. Yeah. Right. So, and then they call them proprietary blend, which mm-hmm. is what I call my dump bucket. <laughs> <laughs> this is my proprietary blend. I would not suggest anybody drink it. I have a proprietary blend of seasonings that I put on my roasted chicken. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you what it is. Because it depends, it changes every time. <laughs> I had a friend who had a recipe for chicken. Mm-hmm. And it, it was called chicken with five fats. Mm-hmm. I think it involved butter, olive oil, a couple different cheeses. Mm. And I don't remember. Maybe there was some pancetta involved. Oh, my gosh. I don't know. I never did get that recipe because, you know. It's proprietary. It's proprietary. Exactly. You can't know these things. We cannot all know these things. So if you're looking for some wines this holiday season, look in the blends, look for the blends. And we are only talking about red, or we've only spoken about red today, but there are some really fun white blends as well. Yeah, if you go to Rhone and you're in the red blend area, and that's great. But if you want to go to my palette, Happy Place, the white Rhone blends are all my faves. With the Viognier and the Marsan and Roussan. Oh, oh. Those babies are just like big, beautiful Bushels of flowers. Mm. Like you just stick your nose in a bouquet of flowers, and it's just I just love talk that about stuff. three grapes that go well together. Mm-hmm. It's those three white grapes. Yeah, and you mentioned the California producer that was one of the I think original Rhone Rangers, Tablas Creek. Yeah, oh, this everything they do. Everything. They have a, oh, they're, I have a great Grenache Blanc. Yeah, You're talking it, about the whites again that just cut through all the fat and they oh, do so, so well. Good. Yeah, just right. if you don't like it, just send it to me. Yeah. Okay. Why don't I'll we take care of it? Why don't we stop recording and go to my house and open some of them? Absolutely. I've got a few. 
for my fall shipment. All right. Well, Great Minds is produced at WGCU Studios on FGCU campus in Fort Myers, Florida. Our producer for online media is Tara Calligan. Great Minds theme music is from the Kansas City band Victor and Penny. The song is You'd Be So Nice to Come Home To by Cole Porter. To get in touch with us, check out greatminds.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. For Julie Glenn, I'm Gina Birch. Thank you for listening. Under an August moon burning above